0: Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. We have exciting news. I'm joined once again by Rob St. Clair, the announcer for the NVA. I think my most listened to podcast was the VNL Final Six preview I did with him a few weeks ago. Rob, great to have you back on. How you doing?
1: Great, Dan. Thanks for having me again.
0: Excited for this weekend. Yes, maybe the biggest weekend of volleyball, like almost all year.
1: Probably the biggest weekend all year. Yeah, It's going to be awesome. Like you said in previous podcasts, block out your calendars.
0: Block out your calendars this weekend. Because as we know in volleyball, the Olympics, 10 times, 20 times bigger than anything else we have in our sport. Which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Good thing because we have this huge event to look forward to. And even the qualifying tournament is a huge deal. But, you know, I kind of wish all the other events were more popular. But anyway, this weekend we have six mini tournaments of teams competing to get a spot to Tokyo 2020. And do you want to kind of explain why the FIVB is doing it this year as opposed to sure. different system in other years?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, first of all, you've already talked about pools A, B and C and D, and we'll get to pools E and F in this podcast. Uh, but it's this year is different than any other year, any other normal third year of a quad in terms of how Olympic qualifiers work. And just want to make sure everybody knows why that's the case. So just as a high-level overview, normally the the international volleyball calendar is thought of in what we call quads. It's a four-year cycle that ends with the Olympic Games in the in like the August of whatever even year the Olympics happen. So next August, uh, the Olympics will be in Tokyo, Japan. Now qualifying for the Olympics is a big deal because the Olympics are the most like prestigious tournaments the ter- that most teams that all teams take the most seriously. An Olympic gold medal is the biggest thing in sport of volleyball. So any, qual- any opportunity to qualify for the Olympics is taken very seriously. And qualification for the Olympics always starts in the, the year before, but this year it's very different. And here's why. Normally, like let's say last quad when the Olympics were in Rio de Janeiro in 2016, there's a tournament at the end of in like September of the odd year before the Olympics called World Cup. It is a 12-team round-robin. It is always hosted in Tokyo, Japan, and Normally, the top two finishing teams from the World Cup get bids to the Olympics. So uh, last quad, the USA won the World Cup, and I think Italy got second, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So those two teams got bids to the Olympics through the World Cup. Now, this year, there is still a World Cup, and it's still in Tokyo. But that's the reason why this is also different, because uh, one, the biggest like rule about Olympic qualifiers is if a team has already qualified for the Olympics – any event that that team plays in cannot be an Olympic qualifier. So, this quad, since the Olympics are in Tokyo, Japan, and the World Cup is always in Tokyo, Japan, since Japan is the host, will play in the World Cup, that event cannot be an Olympic qualifier. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: that is why this quad is just so weird. So we've known this for a long time, and the FIVB has had plenty of time to come up with this this coming up weekend as the Probably one-off way that Olympic qualifiers will be dealt with. This quad, we have no idea if it'll work the same way Mm -hmm. four years from now. But uh, we'll get we'll get to that uh, in a podcast four years down the road. But what we do know is that we have 24 teams, the top 24 teams in the FIV world rankings. And you've talked before about a little bit how those world rankings work. I don't like them at all, and I don't think you do either. It's
0: probably the biggest issue with this tournament because we're going to talk about you know like Mexico in this, in this podcast and how cool would it be if like Germany was in there instead of, or Belarus or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the world ranking world rankings FIVB was, is an objective system. It's not like a ranking committee. It's objectively Mm -hmm. decided by points earned based on finishings in FIVB events. Uh, Like you've talked about before, it's skewed more towards weaker continental teams and it very much penalizes Europe because Mm Europe is the strongest region in the world by far. So, like, think back four years ago when the field in the Olympics included four Norseka teams, including Mexico, who really just didn't deserve to be there. Because, like, normally you'd get two bids from the World Cup, you'd have continental qualifiers, then you'd have, like, that last chance qualifying tournament where Mm -hmm. usually one non-deserving
0: team would get into the Olympics. Hey, Canada got through. (laughs) Canada got (laughs) through. Canada Canada deserved to be there.
1: Canada deserves yeah, to be yeah. there. Uh, Mexico, I don't think, deserves
0: no, to be there. No, no, no. Uh,
1: but this time around, there's none of the last chance qualifier business. So, Japan, obviously, and the Olympics is the host. There are only 12 teams. Uh, so, we'll get six more teams from this weekend. Mm-hmm. The remaining five will come from the five continental zones that will all play their qualifying tournaments in January, correct? January,
0: which is a bit strange to, you know, strange. Pull, pull guys from their club teams in the middle of the season. Granted, maybe not the most important time of the season, but. Still, that's
1: yeah, that's gonna see. be really interesting. There will be chemistry issues, yeah, exactly. With that, which... Not
0: probably not a lot of time to train and prepare for that,
1: right? So, it'll be fun for us to talk about that one when that rolls. Oh,
0: oh, for but anyway, sure. Anyway,
1: uh, one interesting thing about this, this tournament looking forward to the January qualifiers, which you've already talked about, is teams that are teams that have more of a chance to qualify in one spot or the other, pretty much. The Mm -hmm. only teams that have a better chance to qualify this weekend than they will in January are teams from Europe.
0: Mm -hmm. The top European teams. The top
1: European teams because uh, Russia can get a bid this weekend. Uh, Either Poland or France will likely get a bid this weekend. Neither Italy or Serbia will likely get a bid this weekend. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than Russia, between those other four teams, it is guaranteed that one of them will not go to the Olympics because only one team can come out of Europe in January. And that's nuts.
0: Which is a huge shame because I guarantee you that team would probably win any other continental qualifying tournament.
1: Yeah, without a question. Yeah. But it's also an interesting thing that, like, if you're, let's say, you, Dan, for example, are a Canada fan, mm-hmm. you are this weekend also a huge USA fan.
0: Right. And, yes. And,
1: and vice versa for me being a USA fan, I'm a big yeah. Canada fan this weekend because mm-hmm. if you, if you're a fan of a team that is not necessarily the dominant team in your continental zone. You want that dominant team in your continental zone to win this weekend mm-hmm. so that they are not a factor come January and your team has an easier run. Mm-hmm. So like you've talked about the USA's pool, uh, the USA, de- USA definitely the favorites in that pool. And Canada, if they fail to get through Argentina this weekend, would still have a decent chance to get through Norseca if the is
0: not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sam, yeah brazil argentina cheering for each other Hell, i'll be a cuba fan this weekend <laughs> yeah i'll be a cuba fan too
1: another reason why i really want canada to get through is if argentina gets the bid this weekend mm-hmm. and assuming brazil does too oh
0: then that who's means gonna be some there?
1: garbage team from south america is gonna get like a mexico style bid and that's just yeah. gonna be a shame so even as a as a person who just wants to see 12
0: good teams just better volleyball, volleyball Olympics, for sure
1: just better volleyball it uh it benefits all of us if Argentina fails to get a business
0: weekend. Sorry, Argentina fans. I know you guys. Sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry, you guys. But for- <laughs> fortunately, if, if you lose to Canada, which you yeah. might as well just go ahead and do, uh, you'll have like an absolute <laughs> a clear path. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else is, who is the third team in South America?
0: I don't I know. I think that. it's Chile. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway. It's probably Chile. Why don't we just go into Pool E? Because we're going to, we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. We can go in. It's actually a fairly interesting pool here. Uh, yeah. Definitely, the dominant team is Russia, coming off a volleyball nations league gold medal. You know, they didn't even bring Mazurski or Bukko or or uh, Maxi Mikhailov, for... mm-hmm. but still looked really good. Both of us were at that tournament in Chicago, so and they looked pretty good in person. Yeah,
1: they looked great, and uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about VNL since it wrapped up, but mm-hmm. they. Uh... Handled an incredibly hot Poland team, even though that's a Poland team that many people said should, probably shouldn't have really ever been there. But mm-hmm. momentum, momentum's is a big deal, and uh, Russia handled them in the semifinals, and then uh, that final match, I was obviously not pleased. As yeah. But Russia, Russia was a better team that day. Their serving game was unbelievable.
0: I think the serving. Wow, is that serving really was impressed incredible.
1: me. Incredible. Uh, mm. Igor klioka from the service line was unreal. Uh, really impressed by Ivan Yakovlev in the middle, mm-hmm. really impressed by Valentin Golubev, the libero. I that was, was one great. of the biggest
0: surprise. surprises of the entire time. I thought was so tournament.
1: good because uh, the USA, after I don't remember how many serves they missed in set one, too many, but they started to heat up later, and Golubev mm-hmm. just dimed everything he touched. I was super impressed by him, um, and Russia's only going to get better with, with roster additions right. for this tournament.
0: So I guess we're so complimentary of them, so where do we find weaknesses? And I guess the question is, you know, we kind of saw almost a similar thing happen last year where they had this great team at VNL. Dmitry Kovalev played really well with them. But then we, going into the world championships, they brought their regular guys back who are, uh, I think, better players. But on
1: paper, absolutely.
0: But how, how does that mess up the chemistry with this Russia team? Because Igor uh, Kobzar, I mean, he was. So amazing good. setting, right? He's so so good you, in that finals. You put Buko in, and you know you th- you throw in some different middle attackers, and like is gonna can hit anything. But you know Artem Volovich and Igor Kobzar haven't really had the haven't played together. Buko and and uh, Yakovlev haven't really played together, so I could see some interesting combinations here. Yeah, that's uh, gonna be a very interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely a very interesting weekend of roster management. And unfortunately for Russia, their easiest match of the weekend by far they have on Friday. They play Mexico first. Mm-hmm. So the teams in this Pool E, top to bottom, are Russia,
0: Iran, Cuba, and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even even with issues, Russia, I think, this is probably the second most, after Brazil in Pool A, this is the second most, maybe, the second easiest pool for the top team, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it all depends on which Iran team they get at the time, yeah. and we'll talk about Iran in a second, but Russia, um, I think, very clearly the favorites in this pool, they've... They looked unbeatable in VNL. Like yeah. if they play like if they play like they did that finals match, even uh, the USA team that was kind of missing production from one of the pins, uh, they weren't going to be touched. <laughs> the way and, they served and blocked the ball. They, and, and I mean, the they
0: were they were being more physical than a very physical USA team. Yeah, they, they guys, were. Man. They were huge. I yeah, think- by
1: a certain by a certain point, watching that match, Taylor <laughs> Standard was unbelievable in that match. Yeah. But uh, I, right. I I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that yeah. uh, that Russia team was playing too well that day. And Mm -hmm. if they can unlock that more often with all the chemistry things and Mm -hmm. all the different players, then uh, I do think that they will come out of this pool pretty easily. But Mm -hmm. Iran is no joke.
0: Iran is going to be dangerous for sure. Um, We saw an amazing VNL story from Iran. Maybe I think people might be overrating them a bit because VNL, you know, they were using their best team the entire time throughout the pool phase. And we saw them crash pretty hard going into the finals.
1: They crashed pretty hard. They had an opportunity to beat Poland in the uh, pool stage mm-hmm. of the finals. They really should have done. Uh, they actually had an opportunity to beat Brazil. They couldn't yep. do either of those, and and that was kind of it. They uh, it was it was the VNL finals weekend of missed opportunities for Iran, for Iran because, for sure. they, norm like that's a they had their whole team. They had chemistry. They had the whole. Very impressive, rigorous season. And then they had a Polish C team. And that's, that was a golden opportunity for them to play for a medal. And they could not
0: take mm-hmm. advantage. So do you think that's because of just poor play? Do you think that's chemistry? Do you think that's fatigue? Which is, I think, where I, where I seem to think that dragged them down a bit. Playing all, the, all those five weekends, their entire starting lineup, especially that kind of missed opportunity to seal it in the fourth weekend. I think they lost the last game against Argentina or some other team. And then they still had to qualify with all the yeah. best players in the last weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I can't overstate enough how difficult it is to fly all over the world yeah. every single weekend for five straight weekends. That is tough for yeah. professional athletes. Like That is a tough couple weeks. And they, you're right. They, Their strategy from the beginning roster-wise was to bring their best team the whole mm-hmm. time. And that's been scrutinized in the volleyball world because the VNL mm-hmm. is not an Olympic qualifier. It's a tournament that everybody likes to win just because – Everybody likes winning everything. Mm-hmm. But like we've talked about, qualifying for the Olympics is the biggest deal. It's the most important thing. And if, like, we'll see after this weekend. If it looks like Iran's fatigued, if it looks like they kind of spent all their energy in VNL prelims, then there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on the Iranian, like, federation and how they chose to manage mm-hmm. this summer.
0: For sure. And another guy, like, the libero has rapport. Mm-hmm. He played... VNL every single weekend. He played VNL finals, then went played U21 World Championships in Bahrain, and now is coming back to play. I mean, he's he's what 20, 20, 21 years old. So at least he's young, and he's a little barrow so he's not jumping, but still. Yeah, if there's like... anyone who can
1: handle that, it, it's him. And uh fortunately for Iran, Saint Petersburg not overwhelmingly far, and not an overwhelming difference in time zone. That's nice. It's rather than having to fly to like yeah, that's um, a good north point. North Fair enough. Area. I
0: mean. Maybe they would have liked to host it because they seem to play exponentially better in front of that home crowd, which is maybe they have a heck of a home like crowd. Of the craziest home crowd in volleyball. But I think you know they're gonna live as they as Iran tends to do: live by Maruf, die by Maruf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. If he's connecting with Musavi, if he's connecting with Gafour, I think Abadepour is the one guy who can hit whatever Maruf throws at him. But those other guys, are, they need kind of they have a smaller pocket to attack. Yeah, yeah they sure. have a
1: smaller window. The margin of error is pretty slim. When they run their offense as fast as they do, mm-hmm. uh, the margin of error is slim. And that's okay because Marouf on his game is as good as anyone in the world that's delivering those hyper-tempo balls. Mm-hmm. But I do like Abadapur, like you're saying. I think if, since he's been playing in Poland the last couple of years, he's, uh, his window is pretty big. He's definitely the least picky of all those pin hitters.
0: Right. And you know he, he can hit that back row ball extremely well. Uh, nowadays yeah, yeah, yeah we'll he's, he's going to be
1: a big factor for Iran uh this his speed on on the on the left pin out of the back row is going to be important to keep the Russian block to make their lives a little bit more difficult as big as those guys are like think about how unfair it is to be Dmitry Mazurski you're seven foot three you don't even have to jump to block the middle ball honestly it makes his job going pin to pin so much easier because it's less committal to make moves on middle and moves on pick and
0: stuff Well, that's the thing about yeah exactly but Mazurski and Volvich they you know, they they jump horizontally half the time, going out to seal the pins because, you know, they don't they, their arms are so long they just get over. So yeah. we'll,
1: we'll see. In, in order to take advantage of that for Iran, in, in order to spread the Russian block all around, they just have mm-hmm. to pass the ball perfectly. Mm-hmm. They just have to win the serve and pass battle, and that's kind of how it is for every team against every other team in the world. It's yeah. just how volleyball is especially that one though as if Russia serves as well as they did in the VNL finals they're not going to get touched
0: no and you, you know a pretty strong server as well uh Mikhailov very strong server so it's not like it's not like they're losing anything by going going to these other guys
1: speaking of a guy that can hit anything you throw at him Maxim Mikhailov man that's like yeah. the the easiest of all the new players that Russia might add this weekend the, the person i'm mm-hmm. least worried about chemistry is Mikhailov for sure he is so easy to set and is just unbelievably efficient. He takes the smartest swings. Mm-hmm. He's clutch. He's great from the service line. Um and Polotyev had a pretty good V N L, but Mizerski, sorry, Mikhailov a definite upgrade.
0: hmm I guess I you know the uh the devil's advocate in me would say, you know, Mikhailov Bukko maybe didn't have their best games towards the end of the club season with Santa Kazan. Good point. L- losing both in the Champions League and in the Russian Super League finals, especially I think Bucco, in my opinion, was was a little a little sloppy. He
1: was, and I've always been a big fan of, of Bucco as a setter. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that it's about time that he surplanted Grandkin as the best setter in Russia, but mm-hmm. uh, you're right. Uh, Zenit Kazan, who's dominated the club world the past three or four years, other than losing Wilfredo Leon, which is a non-trivial <laughs> piece <Yeah>. of any <laughs> team, but I, you're right, I think Bucco was not at his best failing to win either of the two titles Mm. and certainly
0: not all on him by any means but no no no, but then i don't even think iran is guaranteed second place in this pool i think it's i think probably but we i think we should take cuba a little more seriously than we traditionally do
1: dan and why is that (laughs) let's have a conversation (laughs) because okay
0: okay. (laughs) caveat i i'm not i don't have sources inside the cuban volleyball federation it's very limited the information we have access to but from what i understand Cuba will have some of their, um, what's, what's, what do you, what's the word to reference? Like exiled players, basically. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Exiled players. Um, so Robert Landy Simon, Michael Sanchez and Ray Del were the three players that were approved by the FIVB and the Cuba. I think it's more of a Cuban volleyball federation thing than an FIVB thing to play in this tournament. They specifically were not allowed to play in the Pan American games but this is the first tournament which they will be eligible for. I mean, the, our whole conversation about Cuba will probably become irrelevant if they don't play. But let's let's go forward, yeah. assuming they will play.
1: Let's yeah. Let's say they get those couple guys back. That is an mm-hmm. extremely big deal. So we yeah. talked a little bit about Cuba when we talked about Challenger Cup in the last podcast I was on. Mm-hmm. But just to go over quickly how Cuba has has worked historically. So. If, if you follow volleyball, you know who Wilfredo Leone is, you know who Osmani Juan is, you know who Yohanri Yo Leal is, and you know who Robert Landy-Simone is. All of those guys were on the Cuban... T- well, Juan wasn't. He was gone by then. But in 2010, Cuba got second place at the World Championships. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Wilfredo Leon was like 17 years old, mm-hmm. already one of the best players in the world. All those guys were still playing for Cuba at that time. Mm-hmm. But the Cuban... This government has never allowed their athletes to go outside of the country to play professional sports. Mm. And that's very evident in baseball. You see Cuban players like getting out off the island as, as whatever way they possibly can to come to the US to play baseball. Uh, volleyball is the same deal. And you see now Leon with Polish citizenship, Leal, Brazilian, Juan Torrena, it's Italian. Right. And I know Robert Lenny-Simone has been looking for countries Mm -hmm. to take him in on on their national teams for Mm -hmm. a couple years now, but it looks like the Cuban Federation has relaxed their policy just a little bit, and I think that starts from the top in their government. It sounds like we might see some of those guys from their absolute golden age of Cuban volleyball back this weekend, and that would be huge.
0: Yeah, because it's a win-win for Cuba and for the players. They want to play for their home country. Cuba gets more exposure in the world of sports you know I, I think it's a no-brainer to let these guys play on the team I, under, I understand the historical context of why it's been an issue in the past but bringing those guys into this team that's you know not that bad for what is basically U23 team they did they came in second at the Challenger Cup they've you know they've done all right at Pan American games they've they've done all right at the world championships they, they haven't been terrible like they've probably no, been they the third been best Norsica team
1: Definitely. But yeah. they're all of their good players, they lose because mm-hmm. their good players want to go make money playing, playing professional mm-hmm. volleyball overseas. And the government just hasn't allowed them to do that. So if, if, this, if this starts a precedent for the future for Cuba, you better watch out. Because in the Norseca zone, they're mm-hmm. about to be a huge factor again. If they can really develop their players and keep them, if they're going to start to let them go overseas and still play for Cuba on mm-hmm. the national team, then they could be a huge force in the next quad. I'm not sure if it's going to happen for them this quad. It might be too soon.
0: We'll see. I, I mean, I think they did miss out on kind of the golden generation of guys. Um, I don't know if... Maybe the,
1: they're regretting it now. Yeah, they're like, they're I, don't like it, it. Really be, I don't know if the next generation coming up will be...
0: I don't know if there are another Wilfredo Leons coming through the system anytime soon. I mean, maybe he is. It's hard to tell. Um, one guy who I really like, though, that's been on this younger team, Miguel Lopez, Yeah. Um, who has, sorry, has been one of the leading... Uh, High score in the Argentinian league the past couple of years, uh, played for UPCN and Bolivar, I believe. So he's, he's been pretty good. He's a legit, you know. A lot of the Cuban guys go to Argentina to play, uh, just because it's it's very close. The other outside hitter, not sure. <laughs> we'll exactly. have to see. That's that's probably yeah. the biggest question mark on the team. Uh, Marlon Yang played in the Challenger Cup and also in the uh, Pan American Games recently. However, okay. he, he <laughs> turned eighteen about six months ago, so. So. Man. Young guy. And then in the middle, Robert Landy Simon. I mean, if you...
1: Top three in the world, easily.
0: Uh, I think I have number two behind Mazursky, personally.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it goes Mazursky, Simon, Lucas Sotkamp, Srozco, Uh, Probably only Simon's unbelievable. He's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun to watch him finally get on a really, really, really good club team this past year.
0: You didn't Uh, like Sada Cruzero?
1: Oh, he was good in Sada Cruzero. Uh...
0: But I guess when you a Champions League team,
1: yeah, a Champions League team. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was so much fun to watch him yeah. play in the Italian league and play the Champions yeah. League. That dude's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, like a, just a YouTube highlight reel waiting to happen. Uh, I think he has touched the highest of any volleyball player in the world at twelve foot nine <laughs> at one point in his career, which is just like a laughably high number. That's just absurd.
0: And I mean, he probably touches like, like he's lost athleticism for sure. But he's yeah, still he's like he's not young anymore. But he still,
1: still I'd say, crushes the best middle in the world. Yeah. Uh, so that's a huge pickup, and like the nature of the middle position, sometimes you ca- is you can't have that much of an impact on the game mm-hmm. as other positions. But guys like Mazursky, guys like Simon, guys who are at that level, most definitely can. So I'm so excited if 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 he plays. Really excited to watch him play for Cuba again. I think that's going to be. And great. I
0: would be a lot more. I would be a lot less excited about Robert Landy Simon. If he wasn't also joined by Raydel Hierrezuolo, who's been a pretty good club player over the last couple of years, like pretty yeah, legit a setter. Setter
1: that I really like. Uh, uh, crazy athlete, uh, left-handed. Will get up and pound balls when he's in the mm-hmm. front row, which I like a lot.
0: I love I love setters who attack. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and then Libero Yonder Garcia, who, yep. you know, he hasn't really played professionally club outside of Cuba, but as a North American libero, like he, I think he's good enough to play overseas, but because he's actually a yeah, pretty decent libero. But uh, yeah, libero yeah. never a position that Cuba has like exported
1: in super yeah. high quality. But they yeah. had a guy Gutierrez back in mm-hmm. the old days who was pretty
0: good. As you know, North American liberos, there's what like five of them probably playing professionally. Like it's not, a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that, a big list. Not... And then uh, yeah, Michael,
1: not all that many
0: Michael Sanchez has had a, a few good seasons uh, overseas as well playing in argentina i believe i saw him at the actually at the uh korean volleyball tryouts here in toronto uh i saw no him play kidding. a bunch yeah so which he got picked up i think he was like the second or third draft pick so he'll certainly it'll certainly help too although cuba usually opposite has not been their problem
1: no that's not usually a problem mm-hmm. it's uh service if they, they have so many athletes mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it's like raw 16 year olds yeah who are on <laughs> athletes, uh it takes a lot of reps. It takes a lot of time for them to be able to play the game of volleyball at the highest level to control the ball the way you need to to compete. So mm-hmm. that's definitely been their issue. Yeah, and, so... uh, I think that's really about it for Cuba, right? It's yeah. uh, just it just depends on what team we're going to see. Again, take take our rumors with a grain of salt here on the rosters, but if if we're right about this, I think that's going to be really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. And it gives them a huge advantage in Norseka in January if they fail to qualify this weekend.
0: It'd be cool to see Leon, Lial, and Simon all playing, resuming national team play after. We haven't seen them play in the last decade, pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a all fun year summer. for yeah for all those Cuban guys. Shame they can't all play together, but uh, we will at least see them for the other half mm-hmm. of the
0: year. And then finally, we have Mexico. who I don't
1: know a single thing about Mexico, <laughs> except that they didn't deserve to be in the Olympics in 2016. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they won. They definitely didn't win a match. I'm not sure if they won a set in in that. I
0: do not believe they did.
1: Yeah, I know. From what I remember. I know the USA 3-0'd them pretty easily.
0: And there's a team that didn't compete in world championships. Nope. Um, Not a Norseka threat at all. Even if Canada um, goes through and the USA goes through, I don't think they have a chance really of beating Cuba or even Puerto Rico. We'll see, but yeah, not not uh, not a team I I would want to see in this tournament. Unfortunately, they have a pretty good pool too.
1: Yeah, they're they're just outmatched in their pool. Hmm. I think Russia going to get Russia gets them first. I think they have an opportunity there to work out some chemistry issues, like get get warmed up, Hmm. or basically just a scrimmage game that they should win easily. Um, Iran has Mexico on Saturday and then Cuba has Mexico on Sunday. I would be shocked if Mexico won that game. I think this is really a three-team race, and Mm. I doubt really Cuba will scratch at Russia. Maybe they can beat Iran. I don't know.
0: I'm just going to name a few European teams I would rather see. (laughs) Germany, for sure. Austria. Macedonia with the Georgiev Georgiev brothers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Latvia. 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 Turkey. Turkey would be awesome in this tournament.
1: Turkey would be awesome.
0: Belarus, Romania, Spain, Portugal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think that's all I have off the top of my head. Yeah, just
1: robbery in yeah. the world. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard to be a mid tier volleyball team in Europe. It's just so hard. I feel bad for those teams. Let's that's
0: add that's Hungary and make it an even 10. Um, <laughs> all right, so. That's, it's still gonna so, be a fun pool. I mean, there's not yeah. a not a lot of these pools go three teams deep. A lot of them are just two, so we'll have a couple yeah, of good the matches.
1: Only, the only other one with really, with really three teams is the Slovenia pool. Yeah, right. Slovenia is the the best third seeded team, definitely, out of the pools. But Cuba really not far behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what team they put on the floor, but there could be a lot of fun. So uh, to wrap up pool E here, um, set Friday is Iran and Cuba. Russia and Mexico. By the way, this is this pool happens in Saint Petersburg, Russia. Uh, Saturday, Iran Mexico, followed by Russia versus Cuba, and Sunday Cuba versus Mexico, followed by Russia versus Iran. That's a match worth putting on your Mm -hmm. calendar. Mm Twelve p.m. Eastern, noon on Sunday, Russia Iran. That's going to be a good one.
0: Definitely will be. And then my most anticipated pool, personally, as a Canadian fan. Be, it would save me a lot of uh, anxiety if we just qualified at this at this point. And that's Pool F with Canada, Argentina, Finland, and China.
1: Taking place in China. In China, yes. So these matches are going to be early. For those of us in the western half of the world, it will be a struggle to watch these matches. The two uh, time
0: slots, yeah. 3 a.m. Eastern Time or Midnight Pacific, which I would actually prefer. That actually wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, and then uh, 730, 7.30 and 4.30.
1: 30. Yeah. Yep. So uh, the this is the end of the snake, right? So these, mm-hmm. these pools were seeded in snake format based on world rankings as of January 1st of this year. So we've actually known these pools for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And Canada ranks sixth in the world, Argentina ranks seventh. And I don't, no offense, obviously, but I don't think Canada is the sixth best team in the world, and I don't think Argentina is the seventh Best team no
0: planned. no i uh, think they're... we would put them maybe top 10 but more towards the back of the top 10 than than towards yeah, the, so the where we are
1: 10, 10 or 12 or something like that but uh this is the pool where there's i think the favorite is the
0: least clear i would i would agree with that for sure i think Canada, argentina even as a super biased canadian fan like that's that's pretty that's not a confident <laughs> win either way
1: I agree. That's a toss up. I am I am going to I am going to pick Canada. I mm-hmm. have a good feeling about them. But mm-hmm. that match is on Friday. It's very interesting that one plays two on Friday in this pool. I don't think that's the case in mm-hmm. any other pool. Yeah,
0: the FIVB generally has done a good job of scheduling and kind of spreading out the games and trying to maybe put the bigger ones on Sunday, but I guess Canada Argentina they wanted a f- good Friday game.
1: I'm okay with that. I yeah. think that's uh, this these matches will be happening the earliest because they're in China. 7.30 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, Canada-Argentina. Uh, I will definitely be awake for that match. I think it's going to be awesome. For I think sure. those those two teams know the opportunity they have in front of them with this match. I think mm-hmm. they understand stakes. Um, Argentina, like I talked about earlier, I think Argentina, if they lose, have still a very, very easy road through South America to mm-hmm. qualify for the Olympics. Canada, a little bit less so. So I think these two teams,
0: mm-hmm. this is a huge match. Mm-hmm. Huge match. And so why don't we go over Canada's roster first? I think we know mostly what it is. Probably the same roster that showed up for World Championships in VNL.
1: The one thing I don't know is, is Saron
0: Fernand Evans healthy? He is healthy. Great. He is healthy. We, we got Excellent. our insiders going. He is, he is healthy, ready to go. In fact, he probably wasn't that badly injured. He probably could have played VNL in the last uh, round or so, but... You know, yeah, he to... got
1: hurt in, in, in the Chicago suburbs because I was looking forward yeah. to seeing him. Yeah. He got hurt the night before I was there, the night before US played Canada, mm-hmm. so that was a bummer.
0: So yeah, Shawan Vernon Evans will be there, which is huge because I love Ryan Sklater, but he's pretty even at this point, he's a pretty big downgrade over Shawan, who we saw when I was in Ottawa, like maybe the best weekend out of any player in the entire tournament.
1: He I'm was sure. unbelievable. Yeah. He was he was just incredible. Such a, a level up over where he was even last year. He's yeah, still Exactly. The ceiling for this kid, metaphorically and literally, as mm. high as he touches, is is uh, is very very high. This yeah. kid has a ton of potential still.
0: But we like that was his best weekend. But we've seen him. You know, he hasn't always. He's not always that consistent. So it'll be interesting to see if the if like there's a lot of pressure and 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 what the deal is there. The I know his health, but they, well, the one important player whose health we don't know is uh, T.J. Sanders. I was just about to ask about the stutter position. Mm. Is T.J. healthy? And, you know, I was I was talking to some of the players, like, when I was in Ottawa, and uh, it's hard to get anything from them. Um, they they seem to be, he seemed to be setting a practice. He got in for a few sets of Nations League, but still not the full-time starter over Brett Walsh, so, you know. I did
1: really like Brett Walsh when I mm-hmm. saw him. Uh, I thought he he's, was he's, completely a step ahead of the
0: U.S. when he set that offense that day. Mm-hmm. And Brett Walsh was really good, too. Very, very intelligent setter, I think. Like, always is. Does his homework, knows tendencies, uh-huh. knows, knows where to set it. Um, I just don't think he has the the same level of hands and middle connection and, and speed that TJ Sanders does.
1: I agree. i have got um, Blair anyway. Band, Libero. Uh, yeah. That's an obvious one. Uh, left sides, I would assume it's Gord parent and Stephen Marr.
0: Yep, yeah, that's. But then they have they are bringing Nick Hogue and Jason Duraco. Duraco. as the as the two yeah. other ones.
1: Those are four good outsides.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, uh, we'll probably won't see Duraco, but Hogue. You know he's he'll he, find a way to get him in if, if one of the other guys is struggling for sure.
1: Uh, Steve Marshall backup lib,
0: Yeah, Steve Marshall backup lib.
1: I love Steve Marshall, yeah. I remember seeing him in uh, North Seca 2015 oh, playing yeah. opposite. I think he's and played,
0: he, I think he's played everything at this point.
1: Yeah, that dude is unbelievably versatile. Big yeah. fan of his. Uh, middle, uh, Graham Vigras one of my favorite middles mm-hmm. in the world. And then, other than that, you guys have another. A couple other guys you can play that into Lucas
0: Van Berkel I think is the pretty uh, this pretty solid second guy at this point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed by him when I saw. Him. Mm-hmm. He's solid. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not gonna blow you out, out of the water. Just solid, solid guy. He's a big guy. He's huge. <laughs> he's huge. he's massive. Yeah. Um, so the things that you know Canada, I would worry about as a Canadian fan. Health we already discussed, but Shawan's healthy. T J Sanders we'll see, and then our passing. Has broken down several times throughout Nations League and uh, the World Championships to a lesser extent. So, I think our, we can run our offense really well, and we we are one of the better teams out of system, I think. But, um, the passing has been an issue recently.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I agree. I think Canada's a good out of system team, but when you start getting aced, that's a huge yeah, problem. Like yeah, If you uh, teams passing ones that can occasionally score points off of one passes mm-hmm. are different than teams who just get aced all the time. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's the biggest question mark for Canada right now. Blair mm-hmm. Band's going to have to take up a lot of real estate back there.
0: Yes, yes. All right, Canada in their biggest competition, and, you know, another team, with a lot of similarities to Canada though. Argentina. What do you What do you think, Argentina's roster?
1: Um, it's a pe- I have no idea. Argentina's right. been so weird over the past couple of years. They've had. A couple kind of like diva personalities. Had a couple guys with injuries. A couple guys just take Summers off at very unconventional points. A couple very old guys. A couple very young guys. Um, the two most important players are Luciano DiCecco, the setter, one of the very best on the planet, mm-hmm. and Facundo Conte yep. on the left pin.
0: Uh, I I would put, he, I'd put Sebastian Soleil in, in that love conversation Sebastian as well. Soleil.
1: Yeah, absolutely love Sebastian Soleil mm-hmm. in the middle uh Conte though is has been in and out of the, of the top t- in the top 10 outside yeah Arizona, he's kind of on that bubble his career kind of like but, Gord
0: Perrin like just yeah like one of those guys who's
1: he's just like he's been inconsistently in and out of the roster and he mm-hmm. plays I know he's played in China for a few years now yeah. and you don't really hear about him in the club world yeah. anymore compared to when he was in Poland so we don't really know where, what we're going to get out of this guy and when he was mm-hmm. he did play a hand a handful of VNL this year he played against the U.S. and he was good mm-hmm. Uh, he looked good. I know there was a time where he actually played a little bit opposite because Argentina was soul surging yep. in
0: Yeah. Which Bruno Lima, probably our opposite guy at this competition. I had-
1: really like Bruno Lima. Yeah. Uh I, I loved him in, in the Olympics in Rio. Yeah. And he another very young guy, a guy who's super up or down. But mm-hmm. I I would like if for Argentina's sake, if they were to just say, All right, he's our guy. So just stick with them. I
0: think that's what they're doing. I Go think ahead. I think that's gonna. It seems like he's he's gotten a lot more um, more of a leash recently. Like he's allowed yeah, to, he's he's allowed to make mistakes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think he needs a pretty long leash just to get up and bang and not be afraid of of consequences for swinging away. I mm-hmm. think that's just the the mindset that an opposite at this level just has to get by the time they are ready to step up to be a world class player. And I think Lima has the tools. We will see if if they get the good Lima or the bad Lima this weekend.
0: But that's what kind of, I'm kind of worried about with Argentina because I think their biggest issue is is like who's going to score the points because they don't yeah. have they don't have that guy. The like Conte is a very very good player, but he has more of an all around game. He's not that guy who's going to get 40 he's sets. Gonna, and yeah, kind
1: of back high balls like and, and and hit 300. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, kills, Sole is a very good offensive middle, but you know, like he's a middle. You, you can't. Yeah, he's a middle. You can't rely on that Lima like you said very athletic great player but a little inconsistent and usually usually second second in uh in uh the amount of a- attacking attempts that he gets in each game usually conte is the guy and i think polian poglian polian
1: i think yeah Puglian I think he's the power. other guy
0: you you put next to conte
1: yeah i agree the total like mm-hmm. l2 type of player not a big guy will chuck mm-hmm. balls off blocks will pass the ball really well yeah will score maybe 10 points in a match, but you really can't rely on him for much more than that. Right, exactly. That's fine. If, if they know what they're getting out of that position, I think that's okay.
0: And then the last guy I want to talk about Argentina, my guy, Santiago Denani. Yes. One of my favorite liberos right now.
1: Yeah, uh, Alexi Gonzalez, finally uh, too old to lock down that starting spot. Yeah.
0: Well, honestly, I, I think Denani though. I think it's time. Like,
1: I think it's time. Yeah. How old is he?
0: Denani is 22, 23. He's like... An, Around that age, 90, 95, 96.
1: That's perfect. That's This is exactly the time when hmm. a guy of his age is, it's it's his time. It's his turn in the Libero spots, hmm. his turn to make it his for the next 10 years. I think that's what Argentina needs. And to I,
0: I, I feel like it's so it's kind of rare these days to have a guy who's just incredible serve receiver, but also has that like hustle, defense, and, and quick twitch reactions. I find that yeah. Liberos are starting to specialize a bit I in either one of those.
1: I totally agree. I think you've talked about this a little bit yeah. before. There is a. Pretty early on in my volleyball watching career, I remember Karch Karai on commentary making kind of a joke about the two different kinds of liberos. He called serve, receive liberos, passeros. He called like defense liberos, defenderos. Oh, I <laughs> like, like that. Because he was talking about like the kind of dichotomy between the two different yeah. kinds of liberos. But, uh, yeah, either you're a passero or you're a defender but if you're really good at both then you're the total libero package and I think mm-hmm. that is increasingly rare in the world of volleyball I agree uh, Jenny Grabenikoff obviously the best in the world
0: but either mm-hmm. um, Eric Shoji another guy Shogi, very good both. at both
1: Massimo Kalachi very good at both Satorski Pavel Satorski very good at both but yeah. uh, p- past that you're seeing liberos pretty clearly have a style one way or the other mm-hmm.
0: and, and uh, some just aren't good at either <laughs> they're equally average at both
1: uh yeah absolutely
0: yeah so argentina canada yeah great way to kind of kick off the weekend because that's really early on friday they're so, not really early 7 30 right
1: yeah it's seven thirty. that's like doable for those of us in the east coast i not, not at... so
0: bad in in europe like, that's 3 30 no one thirty, uh central european time for everyone listening
1: that um that is all about that Canada Argentina match is all about which which team has their best stuff that day for sure if, if both of them have their best stuff that day then it's going to be a hell of a match but mm-hmm. if one of them is whichever team plays better in that match will win I think that's, that's it's pretty excellent much analysis <laughs> we had a coach one time say, Guys, you know, if, if we play better, there's a chance we might win. Uh, there you go. But I think these teams are pretty evenly mm. matched. I think their ceilings are similar. I think their floors are similar. Yeah. I think whichever one of them plays at a higher percentage of their maximum ability yeah. will win this match. As weird as that sounds to say.
0: But I, I wouldn't count out the last two teams in this pool like as you said it's, it's we're at the end of the snake so i think these two last teams might actually uh, give either canada or argentina a scare it's not guaranteed by any means in that those two teams finland and china
1: yeah i have no faith in china after what i saw <laughs> in vnl but they're they are playing big. at home they were not good in vnl no uh, not at all but they, 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 they did they did give
0: canada a scare last year at the world championships
1: Yeah, that that, I feel like World Championships is a a tournament where that kind of thing happens a lot, like Netherlands over Brazil, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, But in a tournament with this much on the line, I don't expect China to compete with Canada or Argentina.
0: And and like you said, Finland. Yeah. I don't know. They've they've been sneaking in. Like there's a reason why they're the European team out of all those European teams that I mentioned when I was talking about Mexico. They're the reason why they're the guys that are that are ranked this are high in they. this
1: tournament. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, it is not easy. It is an achievement for Finland to be in this tournament because of the mm-hmm. reasons we've talked about. To be ranked that high in the world, I guess, what are they? They must be... Uh,
0: I want to say uh, like 18 19 something like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think they're 18th in the world. And that's that's very impressive for mm-hmm. a non-top-tier European team to maintain an 18th ranking in the world. So mm-hmm. that means Finland, Finland is legit. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, Tur- Turvaporti, the setter. But, yep. uh, Erpo Savula, opposite. Laurie <laughs> Kerminen, again, one of, one of my favorite liberos. One of those few guys who can who can receive and and uh, play defense at a very high level. Their outsides, I think, are a bit, uh, honestly, like, all of them are older. So we're kind of seeing, I think, a transition. Because yeah. I know Finland has a pretty strong uh, youth movement right now. Like Niko Suikonen who was kind of thrust into service at the world championships last year, actually did a fairly good job. I thought not it was a, one of the cool stories. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Not a bad move. Trial by fire. Throw him. Mm-hmm. I, I remember watching Finland a number of years ago, they had the and brothers one on each pin. I think the, yeah. those guys are gone by now.
0: Yeah. But anyway, not an easy out for Canada, Argentina, China, probably an easy out. We like, we saw probably the, their best lineup at VNL and they still yeah, got, they, they, they got they washed. Got, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't expect China to really compete. I just don't think their their federation is yeah. ready to take the next step in China sure. being at a least
0: their women's team, team qualified. Should yeah, their women, women's team. Is a different <laughs> story. Yeah, yeah.
1: their women's team is a different story. Uh, those girls are for real. But uh, is there is there
0: any other country with that much disparity between their men's and women's programs?
1: Not in that direction.
0: Um, yeah. Maybe and, South uh, Korea. Yeah, that's true. Ish, but that's it's still not as Korea. not as bad.
1: South Korea women are much better than the South, yeah. South Korean men. Uh, I, I don't know. I, we don't really need to talk yeah. much more about China no. or Finland, but uh, so the matches in this pool, we played in China on Friday. It'll be China versus Finland followed by Canada versus Argentina. That's the big one. Saturday, ridiculously early morning, Finland versus Argentina, followed by Canada versus China. Sunday, Canada versus Finland, China versus Argentina.
0: Yeah. So some early games there. If you're in North America, not too bad if you're in Europe. Um, so why don't we move on from pools, E F and, I want to hear your thoughts, maybe just one big takeaway from each of the other four pools, if if you want to do that.
1: Okay, uh, I want to talk about the USA just briefly. I think you did a good job when you talked about Pool B. Okay. But I, I, as a USA fan, am nervous right now. I am very yeah, nervous. There's been I a
0: bit t- of, or maybe there's been a lack of clarification <laughs> over the last yeah. week since I recorded the podcast.
1: Yeah, I am nervous. I do not know exactly what roster is going to show up to that tournament. No. I think T.J. DeFalco is healthy. I think he'll be there.
0: I uh, was I was actually doing some investigating and reading. I don't think T.J. DeFalco because he played in six man.
1: Oh yeah, he, he was this in weekend. F- F- six man. I had a couple of buddies that were there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I saw that he was there. He was on the team that won that tournament. This yeah, like a six on six beach tournament in Manhattan Beach, California. I have no idea why he would have been allowed to go there.
0: I that's that's what's kind of throwing people off. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, man, I don't know. I'm like, I'm scared of the Netherlands because they're playing at home. They beat mm-hmm. Brazil and France in uh, mm. champs last year. I'm scared of Belgium because we seem to lose to them in VNL or World League like most years. Uh, I'm not scared of Korea, but man, I just don't know as USA fan. Yeah. I think, I, I think that it'll be different because everyone knows the stakes. I think everyone knows mm-hmm. the stakes of this tournament, but that applies also to Belgium and the Netherlands. This is mm. by far their, those two teams best chance to qualify for the Olympics. Mm. And the USA, as much as they might not like to admit it, they kind of know that they can fall back on Norseka. So I'm really, yeah. I want them to just take care of business this weekend
0: as you know, a fan. I do think their talent will be overwhelming. Uh, Belgium, Netherlands, probably some of like, Netherlands is probably one of the best three, three seeds in the tournament other than yeah. uh, Slovenia. I will say some clarification from when I did my podcast. I actually now know that uh, Dirk Spardens uh, is kind of retiring from the national team. Diefenbach, their middle, also retiring from the national team. Dan Van Harlem, not selected for the national no. team. And they're going without Wessel Kiemink, who you might remember as Micah Christensen's replacement on Modena this year, when uh, they, yeah. where they, yeah. he almost single-handedly lost them like <laughs> all yeah, the games yeah. when yeah. Christensen was injured. No not um, good okay well that makes me feel a little bit better yeah so if you wanted a bit more more comfort um no such good news for belgium they're still rolling with the lineup but yeah usa i think i think you'll be fine i think it'll be fine yeah
1: so the other thing i want to talk about just a little bit about the other pools is who just kind of continent by continent who we can expect if, if, if i had to predict of an olympic field right now
0: yeah okay it, that's, a, that's a fun exercise.
1: exercise to do that. So, mm. uh, I think Brazil wins their pool for sure. yeah Then uh I think the USA wins their pool. Yeah. USA. I think I think Russia wins their pool. Yep. And I think Canada wins their pool. Which there therefore I would think that Argentina would come out of South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, if US and Canada win this weekend then I think Cuba comes out of Northica. Yep. Uh if, if Iran fails to win their pool, I think they come out of Asia over Australia. Um, I don't really care who comes out of Africa, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Tunisia so if you want, if
0: you want Africa, um, yeah, Tunisia just beat Cameroon in the African finals. I still think Cameroon generally had a better track record. Again, none of these games are televised or anything, so yeah. it's hard, tough to, to
1: hard to predict, and none of those teams are going to be a threat come the Olympics. Yeah. But uh, Europe is the thing. So we've got the Poland France match is going to be insane. Uh, that is on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, Poland versus France. What a weekend, man. Stop what you're doing and watch <laughs> that match at 9 a.m. I think that might be the best of the weekend. I'm so yeah. excited for that. And then Italy-Serbia, uh, I think, is one of the very last matches of the weekend at 3.15 p.m. Eastern on Sunday.
0: Man, I- I'm, a- I'm a little worried about Serbia after watching them at the uh, Hubert Wagner uh, Memorial Tournament.
1: I didn't get to watch any of those matches, but I saw the results, and Serbia's were not good.
0: No, and they like they couldn't pass a ball to save their life. Yeah, like, and
1: like you've talked about, Jovovic the setter, not no, gonna, no. Not, not a good out of system setter. I'm a little worried about Serbia too. No Padrashin, which is a shame. One of my favorite middles in the world. I wonder. Uh, I
0: wonder if we're gonna find out when, what uh what the deal is with that because <laughs> that's a pretty major loss.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully the. I I shouldn't be so hopeful about this, but hopefully <laughs> whoever commentates these matches this weekend knows about these things.
0: Uh, what do you think the odds of that are? <laughs> yeah, very.
1: Similar. So uh, the matches that uh, you all will not want to miss: 7:30 a.m. Friday, Canada Argentina. I think 1 p.m. Friday, USA versus Belgium is worth watching, especially if you're me. Uh, 9 a.m. Saturday, Poland versus France, um, and then Sunday. Ten AM USA versus Netherlands should be pretty good. Uh, noon on Sunday is Iran and Russia, and three fifteen on Sunday is Serbia, Italy.
0: So pretty good schedule. As always, if you want to watch those games, VolleyballWorld.tv TV is the app you use. Kind of tough for American like
1: me. Oh right, in which sorry. In this case, it's, it's Flow Volleyball TV. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> which is the same thing, just like eight times it's more expensive. Thing,
1: substantially more expensive. You have to really like volleyball to watch that, which yeah. I do. So, I'll be watching the matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I knew I do know that some of them will be televised in the U.S. because uh, the women's yeah. the women's qualifiers last weekend were televised live on NBC, which is a big oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Do they, they have
0: different announcers
1: for that, or are they just it was Sunderland and Barnett, like my the two best American announcers. Oh, I need I to
0: myself. I need to get that stream going.
1: <laughs> yeah so that that was a, that was a nice step for American televised volleyball and I think uh, either NBC or NBC sports or the Olympic Channel if you're in the US will have those matches they may not be mm-hmm. live but uh, if you don't want to pay for flow volleyball which I wouldn't blame you uh, mm-hmm. look at those channels for televising
0: men closely after the fact Canadian Canadians you get cBC.ca will be streaming them also as well nice so you know, a probably similar thing in most countries actually so if, if you're if you're from one of the countries participating you may not have to pay extra for it
1: yeah this this volleyball will be televised it will be streamed uh you will be able to find it if you look hard enough or if you want to pay a little bit of money Mm -hmm. but it'll be worth it i think i think you and i agreed this weekend is going to be awesome
0: Mm -hmm. so i think that's pretty much it for olympic qualifiers man i feel like we've been hyping up this weekend like all summer and now it's finally like almost here it's finally here um, before I let you go is there anything I know last time we talked on the podcast we talked about the NVA tournament which didn't happen last weekend two weekends ago was it two weekends, two yeah. weekends yeah. ago so yeah I'll talk about the NBA New York finals. Legion yep get get in, get in the chip yep yeah.
1: so so the New York Legion got the dub uh, which was which I did predict when I came in your podcast
0: yeah you, you called it you called
1: it uh, I really wish we could have seen Stunners versus Legion that match yeah. didn't happen Uh, But the Stunners didn't have all their guys. So the Costa Mesa won the Western Conference. They were 10-2 in the regular season. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. They were without a middle. uh, No Robert Feathers for the finals. Ian Castellana got hurt in the finals. Vinny Rodriguez got hurt in the finals. They had really only one healthy middle on the roster by Sunday. That was a struggle. Um, They didn't really have an opposite. Because it was weird. They moved Johannes Brink into the middle out of desperation. They had the lefty on the right. Who hit middle in a couple of rotations? It was very strange.
0: You got to get creative but, uh, when, uh, now NVA, um, what's the coaching situation?
1: Uh, that's a pretty good question. It kind of honestly depends weekend to weekend. Right. It varies. Uh, the Sunners practiced pretty frequently in Southern California. If they had a coach, it was U.S. Olympian Russell Holmes. Oh, to a couple of okay. Events that was cool. cool. Um, Santa Barbara, their coach was Dan Palakowski, who just finished up at Dominican university d3 in chicago he was there for a couple events uh chicago didn't have a coach uh, other than just tim faulkner their captain player rep uh new york did have a coach uh, cj dank but he wasn't there for the finals weekend uh phoenix has a coach by name kyle moon but he really just turns the duties over to vince zanzuki the team rep there and uh Pineapple is basically just coached by Lloyd Ball. Lloyd
0: Ball, yeah. Uh, That's the one I could have guessed. <laughs>
1: yeah. Lauren Gbert and Will Robbins, uh, like older players who don't usually suit up much anymore. They're on the sidelines in a coaching role.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Pineapple brought Marcus Nilsson
0: in. Yeah, yeah that final. was pretty cool. It
1: was really cool. The giant left-handed Swedish yeah. guy. Uh, Pineapple made it to winner's finals uh, where they lost to New York. Then they had to play back-to-back on Sunday. They beat Stunners, but then they couldn't... like. They were just too old. They were too Mm -hmm. fatigued. Uh, They lost 3-0 to New York in the finals. If there's one match you should go back and watch from that weekend, it's the Saturday night match, winner's finals between Pineapple and Legion. Uh, Pineapple went up 2-0 with no Loy Ball on the floor.
0: And who was setting for them then?
1: Uh, Jorge Relat, another old Puerto Rican guy. Uh, It was was crazy. Legion didn't play very well. Uh, Pineapple served the lights out, and then... uh, Eventual MVP, Nick Scherzen, and his team completely turned it around.
0: Yeah. Uh, Scherzen, from... man, he's, he's, I want to see him play in Europe. <laughs> I, wanna to I know. On see... the floor.
1: Yeah, he'll, I think he's working on getting Polish
0: citizenship yeah.
1: for the sake of playing, of not counting against the foreign player thing. Because
0: mm-hmm. uh, he, I think if, born... if that were the case, he would easily be a starter somewhere. Totally.
1: I agree. Yeah, he was born in France, but to, to a Polish family, so that's not out of the possibility for him. Uh, Scherzen was the MVP. Mm -hmm. of the nva finals uh, his setter teammate from college christy blau as well
0: saw ray zito got
1: a Uh, nick hunt an old a guy that i played with before played opposite for rising tide he was great that weekend he was all tournament um tomas goldsmith outside hitter for team pineapple had seven aces in a match which was nuts uh he was all tournament and marcus nilson was as well uh, so an awesome way to wrap up the nva season mm-hmm. uh, pretty good crowds despite being in the middle of nowhere a lot of energy super high level volleyball and uh yeah although you can stream all the matches for free on nvausa.com uh, if you're listening check the league out on instagram at nvausa uh, i was the guy on the mic for all i think 42 matches of the mm-hmm. year it's a lot of matches so i was flying all over the place uh yeah volleyball it was great we had a really good season we got a huge build in followers on Instagram, all the social media is mm-hmm. getting a lot of exposure. So, the league will be back strong pretty soon, probably early 2020.
0: Nice. So that's good news. League's coming back for another season. Yeah,
1: uh, like no no promises. I don't know anything. For yeah. sure, but <laughs> uh, it has enough momentum. It has uh, yeah. the players had a good experience this year. Uh, we're confident we'll be able to bring you more volleyball next year. So,
0: perfect. Good news. Good great things. news for North American volleyball fans because yes, we need it. <laughs> um, okay. Rob, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. I think we gave a pretty good overview. I think I've done probably like three or four hours of podcast just on this Olympic qualifying one weekend of volleyball. So hopefully you guys listen and now you know you're informed. You can watch with the knowledge of all the players and the games and everything else. So yes,
1: the matches the matches are going to speak for themselves. I think it's going to be awesome volleyball this weekend and we'll have a lot to talk about for the rest of the summer.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Rob. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a great and exciting volleyball-filled weekend.